10. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hi, Teresa. Oh, Well, hey, hallelujah, it's only quarter to nine in the morning, so <laughs> we're really early. I'm going to go ahead and start. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, we love you. Thank you for who you are and what you do. I ask you to visit us with your presence, but Lord, let us understand from your word how to advance getting our prayers answered and seeing people set free. That's what we desire, Jesus. I pray, Lord, you'll quicken me and strengthen us tonight. Keep people safe when they're out running around this cold rain. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to go back a little bit to what I was talking about on Sunday about, um, and I'll break it down a little bit more, about the idea of being, um, I started out talking about maintenance of two kinds of new. There's maintenance, uh, I mean, two kinds of transformation. Maintenance and transformation. So, there are changes. I'm sorry, I couldn't pull the word changes. I was like, what was it I was talking about? <laughs> There's two kinds of change. There's maintenance change, like change your oil, that kind of thing. That's what I started off with. And then there's transformational change. That changes the whole nature of the thing. Really changes it. And so... Um, then talking about that, I talked about, um, oh, there it is, the new, two kinds of new. There's, in Colossians it says, uh, be, that let, be renewed, let me read the verse. I'm not as dumb as I sound, seriously. And have, having put on the new man, that's one kind of new, it's new in time. The word is uh, neon. Yeah, neos, neos, neon. New in time. And who is renewed, which is a, re a change. It's a new that's not new in time. This is new. Like, this is a new table to me. I like this table. What's a new flashlight? 
Uh, and so it's new in time, it's a new thing. But then there's new that's renewed, it's a different word, and it means change the quality. To make the quality of a higher degree, a higher order of quality. So going from that, tonight I want to pick up with that and talk about transformation. And there was a verse that I read on Sunday that I really didn't pick up on, but uh, Fran picked up on it. And it's Colossians 3, 5. It's kind of challenged me. Uh, Colossians 3, 5. Um, Live as those who've died to every form of sexual sin and impurity. Live as one who died to diseases which is uh, the Sim Simmons, is that the one who did the Passion? Simmons, Brian Simmons. Uh, Simmons translated, pulled that into the translation, live as one who died to diseases from the Aramaic, early Aramaic text of the New Testament that was translated out of early Greek uh, translations. So, Having looked at it, it's not a far out thing. It's not just a made up thing. It's not a paraphrase. It's coming out of old, trans, uh, old transcripts. Um, and so looking at that, I thought, well, I don't know that my mind is, can wrap, quite wrap around live as one who died to diseases. What that would look like, that just challenged the living daylights out of me. I was like, what? How does, how does that work? Um, so anyway, I want to talk about transformation. I've got a lot of verses. If you'll just jot the verses down and look them up uh, later, I'll read through some of them. I'll read some of the verses, and some of them we probably know by heart. The first verse I want to start with is Romans 12, 2. It's the first time I ever preached in my life. I was the president of the MYF at Nottingham Methodist Church. I was 15 years old. One Sunday a year, the the president of the MYF had to preach. It was a lay, lay preaching Sunday. They had the order of things. And uh, I had to preach on, um, I think Kimmy's already gone somewhere. So um, I had to preach on that Sunday. And so I can remember so clearly preaching. I'm backing up just a tad because I'm in front of the speaker. Um, I, had, I had to preach on that Sunday and I preached on this verse. I, be, I can remember standing up as a kid. I was 15. And you talk about, I was so skinny, I looked like, uh, that's why Daddy called me Wormy. I, <laughs> I was so skinny. I probably, you know, weighed like 80 pounds soaking wet and wore size 10 shoes. So they called me Snowshoe and String Bean. Think of the self-esteem I would have. Wormy, Snowshoe, and String Bean, my nicknames. And then when I got uh, further in high school, I got the name of Gunner uh, because of uh, playing basketball in the Kingsport City League for the hospital. I like to shoot. <laughs> I like to shoot. Anyway, but I like Gunner for a nickname a whole lot better than I like Wormy. Or snowshoe or string bean. 
anyway. Um, so this little 15-year-old string bean snowshoe wormy skinny looking thing standing up preaching. This is the verse I took. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Uh, in, the, in the Greek it clearly says, which is your spiritual act of worship. That you present your body a living sacrifice, which is your spiritual act of worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be, in the King James, be ye transformed, because that's what I memorized in. So when I start just going from memory, it's going to be ye's, these, yeas, thous, we's, whatever. Uh, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you can test the will of God, that you can prove it. And so it doesn't mean you got, you're going to be like trying to find three wills of God. People hang up on, on this verse like trying to figure out what the three wills of God are and all that kind of stuff. The real power of the verse is about the transformed mind. And you can test the will of God. When I'm very adventurous cooking, my mother never cooked from a recipe ever. She just had a, Jane, you need two handfuls of meal and a handful of flour. I used to make cornbread. I just knew two handfuls of meal, a handful of flour, some whatever, bacon powder, whatever, because we didn't have three rivers back then. Um, but one time I dreamed a, a recipe, and I didn't prove, I didn't test it. I had company over and cooked a, a recipe I dreamed. <laughs> Thinking about it later, I thought, that's on the border of just plain crazy. But it worked out okay. But uh, when I was thinking about what it is to test and prove the will of God, it means you try it out. You see if this works, if this is for real. So the transforming of your mind is about proving, proving testing out the will of God. So... Anyway, here we go. I'm going to do some Greek stuff, which means it means something because how this, how the language is in Greek, and how looking at words and the meaning of words and language is really important. You're talking about what God's talking about because words come to mean different things. I mean, just think about the word "gay." Well, I was a kid, gay meant happy, and so. Uh, it doesn't mean that anymore. Uh, I guess it might somewhere, but not most places. Um, so, this passage in Romans 12, 1 and 2, don't be taken with the outward form or pattern. Don't be conformed. The word conformed. Don't be taken with the outward form or pattern. The schema. The Greek word is schema. In, uh, if you're studying psychology or if you're a therapist or whatever, you study the, the schema that a person has. A schema, you'll have a pattern. And people do things and work and operate 
and function out of a schema. There's a whole theory in, of counseling and therapy and psychology that is around the schema that people have. And so don't be taken or don't take on an outward form or schema or a pattern of the world. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, we say, but the word is like age, era, aeon. It's the word a space and time. Don't be taken and conform yourself to the schema of the space and time you're in. If we conformed ourselves to the space and time we're in right now, oh my gosh, where would we end up? I'm pretty sure it'd be warm there. Because <laughs> it would be, whoa, the pattern. Uh, but that wasn't always a schema. In philosophy or in the social sciences, they would refer to that as the zeitgeist. That's the German for the spirit of the age. So the zeitgeist. In every space of time, things that come along in physics and in math and things like that, they follow a shift in the zeitgeist in how people think about the true nature of things. And so right now, if we followed the pattern, the schema, the zeitgeist of the age we're living in, we would be toast. So it would be easy to say, uh, we can look at that and say, well, why, why would you even have to say that? Don't follow the pattern. But let me just say this about that. It is very easy to be in the schema of the age you're living in and think you're not. That's just a very easy thing to do. Um, people follow patterns that they've seen or patterns of, of their culture, or of their family habit, and they don't realize that they do. If you're talking to a person who is an Italian person, you know how to mute an Italian person and get them to hush? No. Just tie their hands up. Because they talk with their hands. So it's just, it's, it's what they see, they know. In their culture, I'm talking about, uh, you know, people that are in Italian culture. They're very expressive and talk with their hands. And so here we are in this age that we're living in. I guess might be called an age of like knowledge and reason and, and science and technology. And there's so much to know, to know, to know, to know. And so if we follow the schema of getting to know more and more and more and more, that's this, that is the time we're living in. There's more to know, more to know. Look it up, look it up. If you tell me something, have you ever seen me grab my phone? I'm going to look that up. I'm going to Google it, whatever. If I don't know what it is, I'm going to look it up, look it up, look it up. Because part of 
the time that we're living in, the age we're living in, is that knowledge will increase. More and more knowledge. There's more and more knowledge, and people are looking for more and more knowledge. And so if we're walking with the Lord, we don't want to be conformed to the quest for and the lust after more and more knowledge about God. In the sense of, well, I've got to know 52 more things before I could ever put my hands on a sick person. I want to like break this down into life of where we're wanting to get to where we can live like we died to diseases. Right. <laughs> where we're, we're not afraid to walk as God has asked us to walk or to do what he's asked us to do to reach out to people because we are not being conformed to the schema of the things around us. It's not just about sin. Oh, it's easy to say, well, I don't want to be conformed to the schema around me um, in the sense that I uh, want to you know, do things that are against the Lord, sinful things, sexual immorality, uh, gluttonous, Eat, 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 munge, munge, munge. I love the sound of kids, so don't you ever let that think that bothers me, because it don't bother me. Just if they're screaming, ma, ma, ma. <laughs> then that distracts me. Um, so, in, in this, when you said, do not be conformed to the world, do not be conformed to the age you're in. The, what, the thing I want to say and I want to break down is, don't think about sin when you read that. Think about the zeitgeist. How do people think in the age you're in? What is the schema of the world you are in? How are people viewing the true meaning of life in the age you're in? So if you uh, go at thinking, well, that's just about sin, then you'll miss the point. And you could be living in conformity, not confirmation, conformity to the age you're living in while you think you're not. And still there, little light, this little light of mine. <laughs> so, think a little deeper about that, about not conforming to the world. Think not about, just about sin, because we know that's a given, we're not going to conform in areas of sin. But then, uh, what other ways is the world we're living in? What Pattern, what schema, what is the pattern of this age? One of the patterns of the age we live in is more and more personal freedom. Personal freedom is highly valued. And so, if you're walking with the Lord, you have less and less personal freedom. Uh, well, Jane, that don't make sense, because if the sun sets free, it's free indeed. Uh, well, you have the constraint of the Holy Spirit. So you have, 
if you're walking with the Lord, you're, you've said, I'm going to obey you what you say to do. So that's less personal freedom. If you get up in the morning and you pray, oh God, show me what to do today. And he says, I want you to go and uh, like Jan and Terry took some coats down to Shades of Grace. I want you to go down Shades of Grace and take some coats and things. You don't have personal freedom that day. Because if you're living under God's direction, you don't have personal freedom. You're under his direction. You're asking, Lord, direct me. Lord, direct me, and then I'll do just what I want to. I fear I've done that way more days than I would like to think I have. I'm not saying this because, hey, I've got this all down, and I've got this down perfect, and now I'm going to tell you all how this works. I'm just now seeing that God wants to get down into the everyday business and the nitty-gritty and mess with us a little bit. Oh, no, a whole lot. <laughs> uh, so don't confirm, conform. Let me try some water. Mm. Don't conform yourself to another's pattern of mind and character. So don't conform yourself to another's pattern of mind and character. And I want to encourage you to think and meditate on and think a little bit deeper about what it means to be conformed to an age, conformed to a space and time, to a schema. Well, that made me think of something else I wanted to say about that I forgot. Don't be conformed to the, what's said to you about the age you are. There's a schema about age group. There's a schema about whatever age you're in. I, I realize where I'm talking really about age, like an era, space of time, and in a broad sense, but then bring that down just a little bit. And that could also be true of patterns that define what you should do, how you should think, and who you should be in the age you are in time, in your chronology, in your space of time, in your life. In this space of time, this is what you should think, be, and do, blah, blah. So don't conform yourself to the pattern or the schema or fashion yourself like the age you're in. that space and time. That also means a present age, the age we're in right now, the era we're in. Some of the prophetic people say we've entered a new era. Lana Vosser, I don't know if y'all listen to her. She's out of Australia. Oh gosh, I think it was Singleton put me under her. Yeah, and then I got Julian. Oh, yeah, well, it's like a virus that's going through the body. <laughs> uh, and she's been talking about a new era. It's describing a present age that we're in, this word, aion, or aion, aion, I don't know how you say it. I practiced it, but it left. You know that I could never really read. Jimmy and I went to, to the movie. And I thought, he almost fainted. I said, do you want to go to see a movie? He said, what did you say? Anyway, so we went to see The Call of the Wild. I thought I knew The Call of the Wild. In my head, 
I knew the call of the wild. And so I sat there and I was, I didn't like this or that. I thought it wasn't that. And Jimmy, at some point in the movie, just turned around and said, you don't, know, you don't know the story of the call of the wild, do you? And I said, yes, I think I do. I think I've seen this before, or some of this movie. And, and then uh, he said, I thought the movie was going to be about Harrison Ford, his character. It's about the dog. So then afterwards he said, Jane, you never read the book, The Call of the Wild, when you were young, did you? I said, probably not, Jimmy. When I was a kid in school, if I read one chapter, I thought I was Jesus. And <laughs> I could not focus to read. And so I would sit, I would make, I can remember taking whole days and thinking, I'm going to read today. And I would get a book and I would go somewhere. I might go out under a tree outside. And I would read till some bee would start buzzing around or something. <laughs> anyway, so... I never uh, read the book, The Call of the Wild. So then when we left the movie, I, I looked up the cliff notes on The Call of the Wild, and I said, holy cow, it was about the dog. And he said, yes, Jane, the movie was about the dog. <laughs> I can't remember why I started telling you guys that. But anyway, the present age you're in contrasted to a future age or a future point in time. Don't, now think about this, if you take an era and a space in time, let's say we were Old Testament people. That was an era. It truly was a solid era. Old Testament. Then Jesus came and died on the cross. It's a new era. What if they wanted to conform themselves to the era that they were accustomed to and not let themselves be transformed into another place in, in time. So this can be a true thing, not just of your age, but it also can be true of, of times and seasons in your life and in the church where you're if you get conformed into one thing, I have a friend in Illinois who's been struggling like I can tell for a whole year. He's processing himself. He's trying to figure out how change can take place and hold to the things that are important from the past. Kevin Van Tine. You can just, you can just feel the struggle of it. And I thought, when, when you're wanting to change something and hold to the truth of God's Word, the things you've learned or had in the past of your life, but you know that God is getting ready to do a new thing, which you're like, oh God, do a new thing, but in your mind you can be being conformed to the schema, to the pattern of the old thing, of, the, of that time frame, of that era. Before Pentecost came, people had a, a, a pattern of how church was. And they held to that pattern and they would have followed after that schema 
that fashioned themselves like the pattern that they had. And God was giving them a new one. So you can kind of stretch that out beyond just not be conformed to the pattern of this era that you live in in time, of how people think at this point in time. So then he says, do not be conformed to this present age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that's really what I want to focus on, transforming by the renewing of the mind. But I want you to think about what you might be being transformed from. Um, you might have had a certain way you thought about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or a certain way you thought about healing and the gifts of the Spirit, or a certain way you thought about how God worked in the church. And God wants to transform your thinking from that. So, you have to let go of the old to take hold on the new. So, transform, this is how this works. The word transformed is metamorpho. Or morpho, probably ooh. Metamorpho, loose, foo. Um, metamorpho. Meta has the idea of change after being with, which I talked about on Sunday. That transform comes from having an open heart in the presence of the Lord. Open heart and glory. In the Old Testament, glory came and faded. In the New Testament, because the blood opens the heart, glory comes and transforms. And so that's what meta is, change after being with. So think of that as after being with the Lord, change comes. Morphu is changing form in keeping with an inner reality. So after you're with in the presence of the Lord, with your heart open in the presence of the Lord, there is a change that takes place from an inner reality. And what alters that inner reality, this is not spooky and not metaphysical at all. What alters that inner reality is the word of God and the presence of God. If your heart is open and you come in the presence of the, of the God, of God, he will write his law on your heart. And your inner reality will alter. And so I was saying to the Lord, Lord, does it really say in those early versions that we can live as though we're dead to disease? Does it really say that? If it really says that in your presence, write that on my heart. Transform something deep in me that will give me a faith in praying for healing that will be different than what I have at this point in time. We're not going to change without changing. We can't be different and stay the same. But, I mean, we say, oh, we're going to change. Change is coming. Oh, bless God, change, change, change. And then think, oh, God, no, I don't want to change that. I don't want to change that. I don't want to, change. I don't want to be different. You can't change and stay the same. Something's going to alter there. And so, sorry for being preachy, but I feel preachy about that because I need to hear it. 
so I'm preaching to me. Um, <laughs> this is um, which verse? Dead to disease. Colossians 3, 5 in the Passion Translation. In the footnotes that you get, if you get the Kindle version of that, where you get the footnotes, it tells about the Aramaic version. Because that's where he got that. He was telling where he got that to put it in the translation. So it's Colossians 3, 5 in the TPT. You know what? When my mother wrote the grocery list, she would write bread, eggs, milk, cheer. I can see her little handwriting always. My mother would never go to the store. She was very... She didn't have teeth, she didn't have clothes. She was the sweetest person and a servant, but she would not go anywhere. And she, my daddy got groceries because mother wouldn't go to the store. And um, she'd write bread, eggs, milk, TP. She wouldn't write the word toilet, my mother was so modest. <laughs> she'd write TP or toilet or tea paper. I can see that little handwriting tea paper. Every time I say the TPT translation, I see that grocery list in my mind and I laugh in my mind at my mother's modesty and who she was. I drove her crazy. I was not modest like mother. She would be like, Janie! And I like to shock her. What can you do? Anyway, uh, so really the word transformed by the renewing of your mind, the word transformed means to be transformed after being with. To be, to be transformed after being with is kind of how it breaks out. So that what I was saying on Sunday morning about being in the presence of the Lord with an open heart because of the blood of the, of the gospel, then he can write his law in there and you can be transformed from being with him. But it's not like something where you're... And so you start thinking different. That's probably an element of it because you get peaceful in the presence of the Lord and you can stop fighting wars in your head. But it's his word. He writes it on your heart. He does that thing he does where he makes his word live and writes it on your heart. Okay, so... Do not be conformed to the pattern of the current age that you live in, how people think. But be transformed by having been in the presence of the Lord, having been with Him, let your mind be changed and be transformed. There's another way to say that. In Matthew 17, 2, that's the transfiguration. It's the same word as transformed after being with, the transfiguration. These are the verses that have this word in it in the Bible. Matthew 17, 2, metamorphosis. You guys know all that is about the caterpillar, uh, the cocoon, the larva, the pupa, the cocoon. The butterfly, the death. Uh, I don't think butterflies live a long time, do they? Do they? Carletta, you got to know that. You're a school teacher. Oh, no. Look at her. 
<laughs> uh, Matthew 17, 2. It's the same word of being transfigured. That's where Jesus, they were actually transfigured so that their clothes were like shining in the presence of the Lord. This is a powerful thing that happens to you when you start being transformed into his image. When you start being uh, transformed by a renewing of your mind. It's a very powerful thing. And it's the same word as transfigured. Matthew 17, 2. Same word as Romans 12, 2. Mark 9, 2. That's also the transfiguration. You could read that about how uh, it was an experience of a change of quality of existence. And the disciples, when they experienced this powerful move and touch in the presence of the Lord, they wanted to build a church there and not go out or go back down where... That guy was with his demon-possessed child, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, they couldn't cast out it. They didn't want to go back into that. Those guys, they were like, whoa, shalala, should we be like tabernacles and stay up here? This is like wonderful. And Jesus was like, I don't think so. We got a lot to do, and I got dying to do, and all kinds of things to do. And um, So these experiences that we have where the Lord touches our heart, or where we have an exchange with him in our private, private prayer times that change the way we think and who we are on the inside and begins to work out of us in a powerful way, Those are, these changes in us are not just not for us, just so we can knock ourselves better. Therefore, we're here for Jesus. We're his servants. We don't belong to ourselves anymore. And so these changes in what he's working in us, he's working in us, you know, because he loves us, but he's working in us so that can get out to the other people who don't know him yet or people who need to be strengthened or encouraged. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says the same about being transformed. As we behold him from glory to glory, we are transformed even as we look by the Spirit of the Lord are being transformed changed from one quality. Yes. Hello? Are y'all? I'm struggling to just tell you about it. So, <laughs> yes, come on, Jesus, do the Tinkerbell thing. Throw some dust on us. That's true. That's really yes. That's excellent. That's that's the reality of it. And so just looking at this, talking about it, leaning into it, it's not a piece of cake. It's not like transfigure, let's build three tabernacles. It's like, like you're saying, it's okay. Um, I need to honor the Lord by not eating too much food. 
you say, don't eat too much food. I want to change how you're thinking about food. And I'm thinking, I want to think like the Greeks back then when they laid at the table and had a big turkey leg in their hand or something, just like laying there too lazy to stand up to, or sit up to eat, just lay there and stuff my face. So it is a struggle, the whole thing to be, walk, to walk in this is a struggle. Titus 3.5 is another verse. talks about renewal. It says, by, um, that he, by the washing of the regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, that he has worked in us and that he is working in us through the washing of regeneration. And the renewal of the Holy Spirit. It's the same idea. So when it talks about in uh, Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the word in Greek is the word noose. Do you ever feel like your, your mind was a noose? <laughs> I always remember that word. Mind is noose. It is reason. There's not anything amazing about this. It's just your mind, your reason. So he's saying, I want to renew, which is that thing of change the quality of. It's the word, it's not the word for new in time. I'm not going to give you a brain transplant. You know, you can uh, apply for a brain transplant, and when some genius dies, that you can get their brain. No, that's not how this works. It's the other word. It's not the new, as in new in time. It's the second word, new, that is changing the quality of a thing. And so this promise is, I want to transform you by changing the quality of your noose. Huh? What's that? That doesn't sound very spiritual. I want to change the quality of your reason. I want to change the quality of your, of your mind. Of what you're I want to change what it is. Change the nature of it. Now, in the, in the word we looked at on Sunday, renew, it was, let me find my thing on it. Renew it is this. To renew by moving from one stage to a higher, more developed one. Making something qualitatively new. That is the word for renew. I want to move you from where your mind is right now to something that will be developmentally better and of a better quality. Okay. Be transformed. So transformation... Though we love to think it, we we're just going to be transformed being in a meeting where the Spirit falls. I want to promise you, after I was in the time of my life where the Spirit fell on me, the, world, the most He ever fell on me and the most I ever felt the power of, of God and experienced it day by day, my mind took me down a road darker than any road I ever was on. It did. I'm just saying. This is like a working that's not like some instant, well, bring this to me one time and let it be done and, and then bronze my brain and 
I'll just always get up and be thinking just the right things. So I want to give you four or five steps. These are from a gal named Judy Allen who does community Bible studies. Uh, five steps for the working where God renews your, your mind, your thinking. Step one. This, now we're landing the plane from wherever it's been. I have a feeling it's been somewhere in a fog. Uh, step one, <laughs> ask the Lord to guard and direct your mind. Ask the Lord in your morning, when you get up in the morning, have a spot, fix a place. I'm reading a book on prayer that says you have to have a place. You have to have a spot. You need to have one certain spot that you anticipate what's going to be in that spot, that you're going to be in that spot, and God's going to meet you in that spot. And the person was saying, because if you don't have a spot, you'll get up and you'll be looking for a spot. And so part of the time you could be in your spot with the Lord, you're trying to figure out where that spot would be. <laughs> it's really very practical, because I've been living that. And I'm like, oh no, where's, where am I going to go now? Where am I going to go here? And I get this place and then something else happens and that, that place is gone. I'm like, whoa, how's this going to work? Um, ask the Lord, when you get in your spot where you're going to do pray when you get up in the morning, ask, and you don't have to get up super early to, to pray. God doesn't just meet people at four. He'll meet you if you wake up at ten. Just get up, drag yourself out, and go in the spot at 10 and say, I mean, Jimmy used to get up. Our world has turned totally around. I wake up at 4 o'clock. Jimmy used to wake up at like 6. I wouldn't even be going to bed till like 4. And then I would get up at like 10, 11, 12 hours. I'm like, I'd sleep all morning. And he would be up way early. And so now, he woke up at 10 o'clock today. I went to check and see if he was dead. I've still not gotten used to it. Because my world is so upside down and backwards. So I'm like, up at four. He had a, a crisis situation he was working on with somebody last night. And, blah, 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 and, and, and then he, he, he got in his um, dialysis, machi dialysis machine and everything. And so then he slept. He was very, very tired. Oh, he moved Elaine to the care center yesterday. They got Elaine shifted. And he did all that moving and everything. He was beat, wasted. So... He likes up to 10 o'clock. Well, I said, well, I've slept at 10 o'clock. The day's gone. God's gone now. <laughs> where? Where would he go? He always is everywhere, he, wherever, whatever time. And so if you work graveyard and you get off at like oh, 6 in the morning, you work like these people who work these 12-hour shifts in a the hospital, they get off at 7, they might get home. Get into bed at like 9, they might like sleep and get up at like 6 o'clock at night. Okay, then 6 o'clock you're getting up. And God is still, he's there. So he's there because he doesn't say, I'm sorry you missed me. I was here from 4 to 6. And that's when the holy people pray and arrest you lazy butts. I'm not meeting you. <laughs> you just go figure. So when you get up, no matter when it is, what time it is, no matter how you're working or whatever, get in that spot and say this, God. I'm asking you, Lord, to guard and direct my mind this day. Ask God to protect, 
direct, and I never thought of this idea, oversee my mind. Give oversight to my mind. So I thought, I'm going to take that up. Oversee my mind. Because this is the true facts of it all. Behavior begins in the mind. Behavior begins by... I'll send you the stuff. Behavior... Well, it's written in my hand. I'm kind of nerdy. Behavior... I have a thing about the feeling of a pen, and it's a connection. It's strange. Behavior begins in your mind. But not just behavior begins in your mind. Transformation begins in your mind. Well, how can like transformation begin in your mind? Well, in Romans 12 it clearly says, don't be conformed to the, how the age that you're living in is thinking, but be transformed by this upgrade of your mind. So this transformation, this metamorphosis, is an action that's taking place in the mind. God's writing his law on your heart, but that's going to be changing how you think. It's going to be changing your mind. So, tell somebody that's sitting close to you, behavior begins in your mind. I'll tell it to Pam. Behavior begins in your mind. And... Um, Transformation begins in your mind. So the second step, step number two. Y'all have fun and I hope it goes really well. Um, step number two. Recognize the source of self-focused and self-defeating thoughts. Think about, recognize the source when you're coming before the Lord. I've, you know, I've had like a few days recently where, I mean, I was battling, 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 battling. So if, recognize the source. When you come before the Lord, just recognize it. Let yourself think about What is the source of this? To me, the source would be some of the source is an expectation of what I should be getting to do at the age I am. That I should be like down in Florida with Amy playing. <laughs> now, that, that's uh, an idea of the world I live in. It's not the idea of God. So if I'm battling in my head... Um, and the enemy's saying, you're just an idiot. That's why this didn't ever work out for you to be able to be close to your children. You're just an idiot, blah, 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 blah. Or whatever kind of things are like coming in, in your head. Then before the Lord, just take a second and recognize the source of that. What is driving that thought pattern of those defeating thoughts? Recognize the source of it and recognize the source of it as something that is of this present age that we're in the world that you're in, the schema. And then um, step three. Oh, recognize the source of self-focused 
and self-defeating thoughts. You know, when your heart is flowing freely toward to hear what God wants you to do and serving and doing, you, you don't want to jump off a bridge. But man, if you start thinking of really getting self-focused and, criti and critical and the devil clues in on that and starts in on you, um, the bridge looks better every day. So step three, then in the transformation of the mind, replace self-focused with God-focused. This is a little bit like what we do in the sozo. Like what is the lie that you're believing? You recognize it and you identify the lie that you're believing. And then what is the truth that God wants to say to you about that? And it's usually just about you. Like it, it could be, you know, I'm unlovable because uh, I'm weird or whatever. I mean, <laughs> it, could, it, could be that. it could be that. I'm the odd one of the six. There were six of us, and I was truly the odd one. They had names for me, uh, the odd one. And so the, when I came, uh, the Lord worked in my life. I mean, my, my siblings would say to me, I can't even believe this, that you could, could be different like this, that you're not fighting anybody or whatever. <clears throat> oh, rolling drunk somewhere. Replace so replace these self-focused things where the things turn in on you, the enemy fight fights you. Or it could not it could just be things that limit what God has for you and who you are. You'll never pray for the sick. No one you ever pray for will be healed. Who do you think you are? that kind of thing coming at you, then replace those, that's self-focus, that's about you, because praying for the sick is not about you, that's about the promise of God, and that he told us to do it. And so, replace that self-focused with God-focused thoughts. Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says, set your mind, set your affections on things above, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. And then Christ, when Christ who is your life appears, you're going to appear with him in glory. So that verse is saying in Colossians, think about Jesus. Think about what he is in heaven. Think about the fact that when he died on the cross, you died with him there. And when he rose from the dead, your spirit person rose with him from the dead. And when he ascended into heaven, you, are, you did too. And you are seated with him spiritually in heavenly places. So set your mind on that. That'll make you think more than five minutes of how in the world could that be. So verses that go with setting your mind on the things of God are Colossians 3, 1 and 2. And Romans 8, verse 5. Then another one that's very well known is Philippians 4, 8. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are of a good report, think on these things. So it's a, a mental discipline. If you're playing in a tennis match, once upon a life, 
when I didn't hobble when I walked and I didn't weigh 500 pounds, I played tennis. But once it started, and once you went the first, you could not break your concentration. You had to constantly have your concentration. It, you had to be mentally tough. And so I have to be saying in my mind, be mental, don't, because I don't have good concentration. Think, Jane, think. Mental toughness, mental toughness. It's a mind game, mental toughness. Because you can't really break that concentration. If you do, you'll be eating a ball. Well, it's not a strife to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But it is intentional. You have to say yes to Romans 12, 1 and 2. You have to say, yes, Lord, I want to do that. I want to present myself a living sacrifice, be altogether yours, and let your, your spirit and your word change how I think from how I should think by all the natural things into how I would think as your servant. Step four. Rest in the truth that you are accepted in Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 16, and 17 says we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And then the fifth step for this transformation is repeat step one through four every day. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we want to have our minds changed from how we think and strive and struggle about how we think we're going to accomplish pleasing you or how we're going to do the work of your kingdom. And we ask you, Lord, to take us up on our desire to be transformed and that our mind might be renewed, that we could uh, set aside the thoughts that are self-defeating, focused on us and self-defeating, and more and more think the thoughts that you would give us to replace them. We ask you to strengthen us to do this, and in our prayer times, to set ourselves for you to guard our minds and for us to make this transfer from how the world around us is telling us we need to think to what you have to say to us and what your word has promised. And what you have for us in the era that we're in and in the age to come. I yield myself, Lord, to it. And I pray you'll do a wonder. I thank you, Lord. We're not afraid of change. We don't want to be afraid of you changing us to where we're not our little scared selves anymore. That you might transform us, Lord, as we yield into it and ask you to. And that your Holy Spirit would anoint us and quicken us as we read and as we seek after you, that you'll give us surprises of encouragement and of your anointing. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I love you people. Oh, it's a little warm in here, isn't it?
Or is it me?